0: Pray with me, please. Come, Holy Spirit. Enter into our hearts and our minds. Open up our ears to simply hear and receive what you have for us this morning. Let us see the vision of a saintly life and inspire us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> This morning I was listening again to Gary's sermon from Sunday for a couple purposes, for the purpose of preparing for this reflection, since I'm filling in in for him this week and he's filling in for me next week, and also for my sermon on Sunday as I preach this coming Sunday, always trying to make connections between sermons. And there are a lot of connections and a lot of points in that sermon, which I thought was a particularly good one on All Saints Day, uh, that are worth dwelling on. But this morning, this afternoon, I'd like to just focus on three, a nice, succinct three-point sermon. Gary asked in his sermon, how do I become a saint? That was one of his opening questions, so we'll begin there. How do I become a saint? And then secondly, what does the life of a saint look like? And thirdly, what is the reward of a saint? So first, how do I become a saint? It's, of course, a question that pops up pretty much every All Saints Sunday, I'm sure. It popped up last year when I preached on All Saints Sunday, and I tried to Uh, do my best at driving it home, that becoming a saint is both a a moment and a process. Gary began his sermon saying that a saint is someone who simply lives out ordinary faith in extraordinary ways, and that's a great uh, way to start, that the ordinariness of faith. It's just Christians living their lives trying to follow Jesus, and it starts with a very simple moment. It starts with that faith. It's in our Revelation passage, Revelation 7. Verse 13, one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes? From where have they come? I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. The simple moment of faith in Jesus wherein we are washed of our sin our robes are made white in the blood of the Lamb. As Oswald Chambers said, Gary quoted him, the weakest saint who does business with Jesus is liberated from their old life and from their old habits. This action occurs the second Jesus acts in their lives and God's almighty power is available on their behalf from that moment onward. It begins simply, it begins with faith, trust in Jesus doing business with Jesus, as Oswald Chambers says, and it grows from there. Gary used the example of Saint Vincent, this movie that I joked with Rihanna later. I said, we should really watch this movie so I can get up on Sunday and say, I do not recommend it whatsoever. Make sure I stick it to Gary. I haven't yet. I might by the time it's over. But I wonder, were any of us a bit disturbed by Saint Vincent? By by calling somebody of his description, the the life that he lived, a saint. It's I'm kind of like saying Saint Gary, right? He's not here so I can pick on him. I, I know Gary, right? I know him a little. And he's no saint. I mean Saint Vincent, this description of a guy who doesn't like many people and nobody likes him, who gambles and drinks and smokes too much or at all, which is too much, who spends a little company. Uh, with people of unsavory reputation. Really? A saint? Saint Vincent? Maybe the most unlikely saint as that little boy gets up and makes his presentation. We, We might be. I know that I at one point would have been pretty disturbed by calling someone of that particular life a saint. But I think it's only until we realize that we're in the same boat. I mean, who of us can really say that we are a saint, claim the name of saint. If we're really honest with ourselves, maybe not the level of St. Vincent's living as it's described in the movie, but we've all done things of which we're ashamed that we would think disqualify us and should disqualify us from sainthood. None of us can claim the mantle of a saint unless being a saint begins simply by being washed in the blood of the Lamb. So the journey of sainthood begins with a simple act of faith. But then, as Gary also said, it is lived from that moment on in a lifetime of faithfulness. So what does the life of a saint look like? The psalm, not for this past Sunday, but for this coming Sunday, the one that will be in our readings for my sermon on Sunday, is Psalm 16. It begins this way, Preserve me, O God. For in you have I put my trust. Notice how it begins. A moment, an act of faith, of trust in God. O soul, you have said unto the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. This recognition that we can't be called saints on our own grounds. We're disqualified from sainthood. But if God imparts to us his own goodness, his own righteousness, and we can say to him, you are all the good I have, then we can begin. In verse 3, all my delight is upon the saints who are on earth, upon those who excel in virtue. To be a saint is to be someone who excels in virtue. That's the equation in verse 3. To say this in biblical or theological parlance, this is growing in Christ's likeness, being conformed to the image of the the Son, like Romans 8 says. So then what does God's Son look like? In the Inklings, we're reading through a series of seven sermons by Charles Spurgeon. It's it's really the same sermon seven times. It's always the gospel and faith in Jesus. But he has this great quote in this sermon that we just discussed this morning, talking about the sinlessness of Christ as our substitute. And I'll quote from him extensively. So what what does God's Son look like? What does virtue look like? What does growing in Christlikeness look like? Says Spurgeon again, as his, his nature... In his nature, he was free from the corruption and condemnation of the sin of Adam. So also in his life, no sin ever corrupted his way. His eyes never flashed with unhallowed anger. His lips never uttered a treacherous or deceitful word. His heart never harbored an evil imagination. Never did he wander in lust. No covetousness ever made him so much as glance in his soul. He was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. From the beginning of his life to the end, you cannot put your finger upon even a mistake, much less upon a willful error. So perfect was he that no virtue seems to be greater than any other, or by an opposing quality give a bias to the scale of absolute righteousness. John is distinguished for his love, Peter for his courage, but Jesus Christ is distinguishable for neither one above. Because he possesses all in such sublime unison, such heavenly harmony, that no one virtue stands out above the rest. He is meek, but he is courageous. He is loving, but he is decided. He is as bold as a lion, yet he is quiet and peaceful as a lamb. He was like that fine flower which was offered before God in the burnt offering, flower without grit. So smooth that when you rubbed it, it was soft and pure. No particles could be discerned. So was his character fully ground, fully compounded. There was not one feature of his moral countenance, which had undue preponderance above the other. But he was replete in everything that was virtuous and good. And that life of replete with everything that was virtuous and good is the life lived in our place, given to us as a gift from God when we believe in him. And then it is the standard into which we grow. It's the holiness without which no one can see the Lord that Hebrews mentions. It's the life of a saint beginning with faith in Jesus and growing slowly but surely into living like him. Gary, toward the end of his sermon, said that this morning we need to begin to take the long view of life, put our eyes, set our eyes on eternity, and so that is where I'd like to close. So what is the reward of a saint? Again, our Revelation passage. Therefore, they are before the throne of God. Serve him night and day in his temple. He who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. What? I mean, Just imagine what it would be like to not want for anything. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. No pain or discomfort ever touches us again. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. No more sorrow, sadness, grief, all of it's swallowed up in glory. One day, this description of heaven will not just be a happy thought, but an overwhelming reality. If we have a hope for something this glorious, we can endure a lot in this earthly life. So, fellow saints, becoming a saint is easy. Growing as a saint is difficult, but ending life as a saint, it's worth it. May we all mean to be one too. Amen.